On today's episode of The Exit Plan, I talk to Katie Bent, who is a director and a co-founder of Green and Purple. Green and Purple are an accountancy practice that provide virtual finance teams for small businesses. Um, full disclosure, Katie and I work together. She is a fractional FD for Studio Yes, and um, she's supporting me on a number of the acquisitions that I am looking at at the moment. Today's conversation, we talk about um, how Green and Purple sold their business to a London-based group uh, in 2019 and the path to how they eventually ended up buying it back um, and achieving independence again, uh, making a small acquisition of their own along the way. Hope you enjoy today's conversation. I'm Katie Bent. Uh, I'm director and co-founder of Green and Purple, and we are virtual finance teams for entrepreneurs. That's our, what we do, and I'm a portfolio CFO within that, as well as running our business and uh, helping with, helping my clients. Great, and this. I guess full disclosure, you and I work together and have done since I took over CDS. Um yeah, I'd love absolutely. to know a bit about just um, your professional background and how you how you got into into this world. This world, yeah, absolutely. So I uh, did did an apprenticeship before apprenticeships were a thing. So um, left left school at eighteen, thought I was going to go to university, had a gap year, but actually just turned out to be a gap year to the rest of my life. Uh, did a joined an accountancy firm. I was the first eighteen um, year old school leaver they'd ever had, which I think I think I was, which worked to my advantage because I sort of told them what I wanted to do, um, and had a very traditional route into into the profession really from most accountants through practice, um, passed my exams, all that sort of thing. Qualified by the time I was twenty two, which was um, quite uh, early really for for most of those kind of uh, professions, and then um, and then yeah, I was working in very traditional, very corporate environment and knew Pete, who I started building Green and Purple with from then. Um, and yeah, we knew we could kind of do it a bit better. So we knew that we could build a place that we wanted to work at. So um, all of those nice things that we do, like flexible working and hybrid working and stuff like that. Um, but working for creative businesses which is what I really enjoy doing so as you and I work together uh, with a production studio it's it's those kind of businesses that I find really so how did you so um so had Pete already started or did you go out and set it up together or what was the how did, how did that work so yeah so it was about it was about six months old so um and we we built it together so when I joined him there was just two of us or three of us actually there was a bookkeeper as well um and then for the first five years, we grew it very, very slowly. I had a couple of kids in that time, got married, um, was just doing some other stuff, you know, as well as as well as kind of building the business. And then about five years in, we kind of took the time to think, right, you know, what we have made a conscious choice. Are we going to leave it as a lifestyle business or grow it? Um, our now CEO, Lee, I had trained with him and invited and kind of obviously kept in contact sort of professionally and I knew what he was up to and invited him to come into the business with Pete and I and then that's when our growth really kicked off when we made that conscious decision to bring Lee in and grow the business. Um, at the start of Covid there was 14 of us um, and now there are 50 so we've had 40% year-on-year growth in the last three years 
Um, so it's been a quite a rapid, uh, a really rapid growth uh, period. Wow, that's, and to do that during the pandemic as well is pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, it was quite interesting actually, because I think of our business model, um, because we've always done the hybrid working, always set up in that way. And the fact that we're part of our clients finance team. So we're not just a, we're not an external advisor. I mean, you and I probably talk every day, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily talk to your accountant every day, but because I'm, I am your FD, we talk every day. So, um, those businesses in COVID needed us more than ever, actually, if you think what we were doing, you know, everyone was being furloughed. Uh, we were sorting all of that out for people, um, business plans, cash flows, talking to investors, helping with, with other funding. So bounce back loans or HMRC, whatever that might be. And actually that really kickstarted our growth because our model was already built up to work from home for the team and to work flexibly. So don't get me wrong. It wasn't easy. We were all homeschooling, tearing our hair out. Um, and I spent two, but I'd also spent two years recruiting online, completely remotely, um, because everyone else was furloughing people. I couldn't believe it when people were coming to me from other accountancy firms and saying, oh, we're on furlough. I was thinking, oh my God, I'd love to. All of those things that everyone was watching on Netflix, didn't watch any of it. Um, so, you know, and it really sort of, I think, cemented the fact that our business model worked and it was the way that actually we all should be working. So what is it um, um, now? I, 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 I know what I like about working with Green and Purple, but can you explain like what's sort of unique about your your business model and why it kind of suits, um, you know, small to medium media style businesses? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that we are available. I think that's part of the part of the attraction is that you know you and I talk on slack we you can whatsapp me we can um, email and I think because we work flexibly so I'm always very open with people uh, if I'm out of the office at, on sports day I'll put that on my out of office you know I'll, I'll let you know oh yeah Barnaby I'll reply to you in an hour because I'm just picking up a child from school or something and I think that works for both clients and for recruitment and and our team as well um, and we really work as as part of you, we call, you know, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking about us, at, you know, I'm not talking about your business. I'm talking about our business and what we can achieve as me internal with your business. So I think that is why it really works. Um, and the kind of flexibility and hybrid thing works for clients because we're available um, and real people, quite authentic. But it also works for recruitment because, you know, everyone, we love green and purple. Um, our staff retention rate is amazing, but equally we recognize that everyone else has other stuff to do, <laughs> you know? So all of the directors are parents. Um, we've all got, you know, at least two children. There's one with four, one with three. So we've all got um, other things to, to get on with. So, you know, that balance is really important for everybody, clients as well. Okay, cool. Um, that's very helpful. And um, if anyone's listening to this and needs, um... <laughs> needs some new accountants then um then okay well let's try not to turn let's try not to turn this into commercial now so i know uh let's get back onto the topic of m&a um so i know that green and purple have been (laughs) through some some sort of changes and then changes again um over the last year or so so can you tell me a bit about that yeah absolutely i think it's a bit it's a bit of a unique journey i think because we've sort of exited without actually exiting. Um, So in 2019, 
we sold the business to a London-based accountancy firm um, completely, 100%. That, that came out of them. Uh, the conversation started because they wanted our advice on their department doing what we did, basically, and how they could um, kind of not make it like us, but how we were successful and, you know, what advice we might give them and that sort of thing. And that evolved into a conversation of, oh, well, actually, we've already built the team and the model. So let's, um, it was an acquisition to sort of, you know, do do those services alongside their much more traditional firm of, of auditing but, and things um, like that. Why, why did you want to, why did you want to sell at that point? What was the sort of motivation for you and Pete yeah. to, to do that? Yeah, and Lee, so, and Lee. so Lee was yeah. an owner of the business and by then, no, that's okay. So there was the three of us at that point. Um, the motivation for us, I think, was the sophistication of our clients and the size of our team at the time. So our clients were requiring more sophisticated tax advice, um, more M&A support. We didn't necessarily have that in our network at that time. Um, various different um, things like that that we really felt we wanted to have uh, a, a specific alliance or allegiance with another firm that we trusted um rather than you know just saying oh yes i know a consultant for that or i know an advisor for that it was it was really that kind of tie-in we were also looking for a new business funnel because um you know when there's the three of you delivering working for your clients but also trying to go out and win new work that's a lot um you know there's a, there's a lot on your plate and at the time my daughter was 18 months old so I was just shattered, basically, from a personal point of view, just permanently shattered. Um, so, yeah, so that, you know, we saw this opportunity and we thought it'd be really interesting. We really bought into their kind of ethos as well. Um, six months after they bought us, so we're based just north of Cambridge and our main relationship was with their Cambridge office. So they had a London office, which was much bigger, and a Cambridge office. Our relationship was with the Cambridge office. Six months after purchase, in fact, it might not even have been six months, the Cambridge office span out into its own firm. So they left the initial firm and span out on their own. So we went with them. So we effectively were still owned, wholly owned, but by another firm. Okay. So that, that at the start of COVID. So it was an, it's an interesting. So that, that Cambridge office of the, of the acquirers of Green and Purple, was that, had that been its own business? Was that another acquisition or was that just a an office for them so it was so it was an acquisition about two years prior to them purchasing okay. us that then that then for whatever reason they decided to go it alone again um so they already had a really good reputation in cambridge um and the partner there was really well known within within cambridge so we um because we had the relationship with him we were given the choice stay in stay with london be in Cam you know, be owned by the Cambridge office. We decided to be owned by the Cambridge office, who were now their own firm. But how did that work from a sort um, of company? Like well, just from a like company structure perspective, like how how did, yeah. how did that work? You spinning out to be owned by a different businesses? E effectively, we would yeah. No, ex exactly. So if, well, we, because we were wholly owned subs, so effectively the Cambridge office bought right. us from from the old part from the old firm from the London-based okay. firm. Um, we were still within our earnout period, so we still had targets and we still had um, various bits and pieces that we needed to do. So that was all um, 
tupied across effectively not actually tupied but you know transferred across and then um so that was in early 2020 so they launched just on the first of april 2020 they launched their cambridge office so they had a real difficult first year really difficult first year um it would then became clear towards the end of what year are we in 24 so end of 2022 that they were going to do their own transaction okay um and they were being purchased by a firm whose focus is not where ours is so very much more in um high net worth individuals that sort of thing not not so and much more traditional uh, auditing and wealth management so not necessarily where we were so at that point we proposed a full mbo um so we bought ourselves and it was agreed and negotiated so we have bought ourselves back um there are now five directors so we are we are all shareholders now in the business um and fully independent again which is very exciting we've got we have got loads out of being acquired by another business you know the support um the knowledge from them of because they were much bigger than us the, the you know financial support but also the connections the networks all of that sort of thing really benefited us but i think specifically for potentially lee and i not owning our own business was um we felt differently about it than we thought we would so when the opportunity arose we absolutely um took it as you know okay okay <laughs> and how did um how did you sort of financially structure that that management buy and was were you still it sounds a bit complicated because you were you still in your earn out and then you were sort of going and no so the earn out okay. had finished the earn out had finished a year prior so no we weren't in our earn out anymore um so um yeah so basically we we personally funded it so we bought the you know the, the shareholdings are such that um we purchased what we could as directors effectively okay. obviously there was there was offers based on longevity and um, seniority and stuff within the firm but but it was personally financed effectively okay and and is that then um was that something that you sort of all paid in one go or is that something you're paying out of over time is some of that going to be funded from profits no it was how's it how's it uh, no, that was all paid. Um, so from my point of view, I almost just gave them back what they'd given me two years prior. So, you, you <laughs> um, so um, obviously okay. a bit more on top. But <laughs> but yeah, but um, that was kind of, you know, my personal sort of journey in, back into the business. So thank um, God you hadn't spent it all. But, yeah, no, it was. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know exactly, exactly that. Um, being a prudent accountant pays yeah, off Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But um, but yeah, so we yeah, so I, I and I I thought it was interesting to talk to you about our journey because it it is an unusual one. You know, when I'm talking to clients about exiting or selling their business, it is it is usually a journey to leave to go and do something else. But reflecting on that, I think our passion for what Green and Purple are doing, like I can't see myself doing it anywhere yeah. else. Or um, you know, so I think because we all still really believed in what we were doing and the fact that we could do more with it that's why we you know it wasn't an exit to sell pete did leave pete pete did go off and do something else um i think he he wanted to do his own thing again so that's what he did but as far as the 
other than that, we've brought other people into the business, but Lee and I are obviously still Just there. Just thinking about it, because did you have to, because if you were out of your earnout, then presumably there, you could yeah. have just gone off and, you know, done a bit of gardening leave and then set up, you know, green and green and blue. Um, was, yes. you know, was that a consideration? <laughs> did you sort of weigh that up against the costs of buying the business back? Of course, of course we did. Um, typical professional services, we have non-compete clauses, um, all that sort of thing. And I think that we really built the team based on people that we really wanted to work with. Um, and Lee and I have known each other for 20 years. So I think I couldn't necessarily imagine doing this with anyone else um, and having those friendships. Don't get me wrong, the people that we have in the business as well, some of them are also our friends because when we started to build the business, who do you draw on? Your network. So, you know, our internal financial controller is someone I went to secondary school with, you know, so it's inherent that kind of trust. And I think trust is so important um, that that's really at the heart of, you know, what keeps us there as as individuals. Um, Plus, I really enjoy working with the clients that I work with. And it's really hard. It would be really hard to do that yes, elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What um, I'm just thinking, so when you were acquired in 2019, the business was quite a lot smaller, right? Yeah. So, so it was. then it was, yeah, there was 12 and then, of us. So now you're up to 40. So kind of when you went through that management buyout, was there sort of quite a big difference in the valuation then between the purchase price in 2019 and your MBO purchase price later? And, you know, so what, you don't have to go into details, yeah, but I'm just there was a, interested. No, there there was a difference, but that is all okay. I can say to you. <laughs> there was simply, and it was uh, there is a specific clause um, with the purchaser of our old owner, which means that like that is all I can say is that there is a big okay. difference. We had to sign a thing okay. and they were sold. Fine. Um, no, no, that's all <laughs> right. That's all right. <laughs> um, so, what are the so? Yeah, when did it when did it go through the? So it so yeah so it went through March twenty three so it's almost been a whole year um, of uh, of independence so we hired sixteen people in twenty twenty three so we're still you know carrying on on that on that growth trajectory we moved into a um, big new office which is lovely um, but still maintaining that culture um, and I think culture is actually something that's really, really important because um, at the start of this year, we did our own acquisition. We, we bought a uh, three person firm who do what we do, but specifically in the life sciences space, which is uh, those kind of companies are very prevalent mm. in Cambridge in particular. Um, and the owner of the previous owner of that business, from my understanding, had turned down a couple of other businesses that had approached her simply because that culture piece was not right for her team and I think that um, shows how important that is when you're doing any um, acquisition and my my own experience at Green and Purple but also my experience with doing acquisitions with clients or sales with clients really shows the ones that don't necessarily work or gel it's where that culture um, isn't aligned. And how did that that acquisition come about how did you identify them as a as a target yeah so um we had a connection by the chair of our board um and uh we actually they actually approached us um 
very sadly during the period of the acquisition the owner actually passed away but it was of great comfort to her team to know that she had started that process um before she suddenly passed away so you know it wasn't a case of us just sort of swooping in this was something that she really wanted and was looking to to exit and to and to retire um and um and yeah so she she approached us and we started negotiations late summer last year. Okay, and um, and then I, presumably the the sort of um, consideration for that went to her estate, to her husband, and what um, exactly? And that, how did yeah. you how did you kind of structure that deal? So that's based on um, a revenue share model. Okay, so that was kind of quite 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 simple, basically. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely, absolutely. And we've got her too. So um, two of her lovely team working in our office now. So they are fully part of Green and Purple. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, we're really kind of nice. And was in. that in, from a sort of client perspective? Was that a kind of smooth transition? Did they all just come across with with those two employees? Yeah, they seem to be. I mean, they have at the heart of their business the really strong client relationships like we do so i think actually it was it was um quite a quite an easy transition in that sense i'm sure that the team didn't feel it was easy because i think as with anything it's taking people's choice away from them isn't it and then saying you know this is where you're going to be working now and this is what you're going to be doing and that i think is difficult for any individual but i think from there from a client perspective, I think, yes, the transition has been as, as easy as it could be. Um, they have the same team. They are just called green and purple now rather than what they were before. So I think, yeah, it, it seems to have touched yeah. the wood, but it seems to have been, it seems to be going quite, quite well. Very nice. Yeah. And what are the, what are the growth plans for 2024 and beyond? And does, do acquisitions play any part in that? Are there any future exit plans or are you just happy to be masters of your own destiny? destiny for a bit <laughs> I think I think at the moment I think we would we would like 2024 to be definitely not slowing down but a year of um mm. sort of consolidation you know like we say we've had really rapid growth in the last few years and I think we really need to focus on um how we maximize that in terms of um working as getting our processes in place working with our clients because I think there's always a bit of a legacy of catching up um, when you've had that massive growth in, in terms of um, getting the processes and things internally, I think externally, I really want to focus on some clients that are doing some really exciting things, you included. So I think I really want to focus on um, and sort of working with those clients this year. We're not slowing down in terms of um, uh, in terms of what we want to do in terms of growth. We still want to keep keep growing. But I think we, I, I don't, I'd be surprised, I, we said this last year, we'd be surprised if we did the growth in 2024 that we did in 2023, but I distinctly remember saying the same thing right. at the start of 2023, oh no, we probably won't take on as many people, and then suddenly we did, so um, I don't know, I, I'll, revi I'll revisit this with yeah. you in December, and you can tell yeah. me I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and in terms of exit, I think, you know, I, we, I think there's no formal sort of plans between us I think you know we all have our own personal ambitions um and personal thoughts I'm not necessarily sure I want to be doing this when I'm uh, 60 or whatever but uh you know again I can't see that I would do it anywhere else and I'm really proud of what we built so um we're really happy there's still loads of stuff that we want to do kind of um from a market facing uh kind of proposition piece and all sorts of things so 
um, yeah, I can't see that we're going to sort of head off into the sunset okay. anytime soon. Um, excellent. That's great. Well, thanks very much. It's yeah, good to. I was kind of aware of quite a bit of this stuff, but I didn't. Yeah, sort of have, hearing it all pieced together is is useful. I know, and it's funny. I think because I I do think, like I said, do it. It brings a certain level of authenticity when I'm speaking yeah. to businesses because I think, you know, we we have had that journey, um, and we are entrepreneurial. It's slightly different than when you're speaking to. Yeah to figure it, you know, to more corporate firms, I think. I think it's um, also just, I but, mean, I had uh, a guy on the podcast yesterday who sold his business into a, a, a group and then bought it back two years later, you know. So it it, it does, it does <laughs> yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. And, but, I, I, you know, I guess the message is yeah. that that's, that's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean that it was the wrong decision, you know. I'd, I'd, and I don't think it was. I think it was the right decision mm. at the right time. Like I said, we got loads from that period of time, loads of support, loads of knowledge as business owners. Um, I, I don't think, I think it was just, it just adds to that story and that journey of Green and Powerful. I definitely don't think it was the wrong thing. We still work very closely with the firm that we bought ourselves back from. We still, you know, I had lunch with the partner, uh, with the partner there yesterday. You know, we're still mates and we do a lot of work together um wasn't the right wasn't the wrong decision i just think that our the end point of our stories yeah. was different and so we recognize that and we're we're lucky enough to be able to buy ourselves back i do recognize it's a privilege that we could do that and that they were happy for us to do that um and you know added some shareholders onto our onto our cap table at the same time you know there's three directors in the business now that weren't here when we first had the business so you know they are now um shareholders as well so uh it's great to be all together yeah i think that strengthens strengthens the proposition for sure cool yeah definitely definitely. all right well yeah thanks very much thank you welcome to mna q a with nick berry mna advisor to media and marketing agencies who is a partner at green square each week he answers one listener question Next question is from Alan Poole uh, of Juice, and he asks, what's the state of the market at the moment? With debt being more expensive, is that affecting deals? Is that counteracted by the general economy with some businesses in trouble and therefore a few bargain hunters out there? Uh, so there's there's numerous parts to that question, and the, the kind of answer to, to all of those parts is pretty much yes. Um, so with debt finance being more expensive, there is a slowdown in some of the larger PE deals. There's also some challenges for some of the larger groups who have started using their own equity as a key part of, of doing deals. So, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of S4 are well reported and the, 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 the sharp decline in their share price over the last few years means that their very, very active acquisition approach has had to slow down because they simply can't do deals in the same way that they were doing them a few years back because their equity isn't worth anywhere near as much as it used to be. So there is a slowdown in some areas of the market. Um, At the same time, yes, there are people out there who are looking for opportunities and are maybe looking to help and uh, work with companies that are, are somewhat distressed. Um, and beyond that as well, there's also a lot of general appetite for acquisition still in the market. So if you've got a niche capability, if you've got a good geographical fit footprint or whatever it might be, 
then there's certainly lots and lots of the the kind of mid-size and challenger groups that are out there still looking to to be very very uh, you know to, to have a have a they all have a very strong appetite still for acquisition so there's still activity out there there's still things happening but yes there are macroeconomic factors that that are having an impact yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's just it's just as ever there'll be a mix, and dif- you know, different different uh, factors are going to affect different types of buyers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's I think the the market is too big, too broad, too wide. You know, now so globalized that it's very difficult to talk in terms of trends across the board. Um, there will be trends, and there will be key things for different size of players at different stages in different geographies. But there's never one size fits all. So uh, if you think the key is having a good, strong, solid business that is profitable, and and if you have that, then there will be appetite for it. Equally, if you've got good capability, if you've got a good track record, and maybe you're you're, you're not having such a good time at the moment, and you really feel that partnership and and looking for that kind of um, route to work with somebody that's bigger or got a different set of capabilities in a different geography is your route to future success then again it's something that that you can consider and there may well be the perfect strategic partner out there for you yeah I think um, I, I, I agree it's sort of it's, it's hard to draw conclusions about the market and it, the same comes to when it comes to sort of pricing up a business you know what's the sort of the market rate for especially with the sort of businesses that 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 listen to this podcast at the sort of lower end of the market what's the sort of market rate and that's that's a really tough one because there isn't there isn't a market for them so 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 it's very hard to yes you can go out and get valuations done but that there's no such thing as a market rate really yeah absolutely i mean you know it's the old adage that um a business is worth what somebody's prepared to pay for it um, and ultimately, when you are talking about smaller businesses um, that maybe have got fluctuations year to year in their profitability and they haven't got a kind of nice, obvious, clear growth curve, et cetera, then it, it, the number of acquirers out there will reduce and it, it, you know there will be less people that are, have got an appetite at that level. And I think the key questions for owners in those situations is, well, what's the opportunity cost here? So am I better off continuing to run my business as I am over the next three, four years? How much am I managing to to remunerate myself from the business in its current state? What do I think its outlook is if we remain as a standalone independent business versus what is the opportunity if I were to do a deal, maybe take some money off the table now, but what's the longer what's the longer term outlook for, and is that actually a better prospect for me if I do get in bed with with a, with another business that's maybe bigger or got a different strategic uh, uh, outlook or a different set of clients, etc. Yeah, absolutely, great. Thank you very much for listening to the Exit Plan podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review to help other people find us. If you would like your question answered in M and A Q and A or are wondering what's next for you and your business and want to chat about an exit plan, drop me an email on barnaby at foxcogroup.com or get in touch with me on LinkedIn.